What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And this is another edition of the Casey Crew. Welcome. Yes. Uh, crazy week. Crazy, 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 crazy week. But we're back at it. Um, This weekend, what did we do? We um, That was exciting. We went on a date this weekend. <laughs> but we went on a date to a gun shooting range. Yes. It's called uh, Gun for Hire. It's out in Jersey. And we were just able to shoot at the targets and just have a, a, a different type of date. It wasn't your normal go out to eat. It wasn't your normal uh, movies. It wasn't your normal whatever you might be. We went to the gun Man, range. Man, it sucked. You had me sitting through a three-hour class, three-and-a-half-hour class, mm-hmm. where it was just information upon information being hurled at me about pistols and barrels and hammers right. and the anatomy of this kind of gun and the anatomy of that kind of gun and I was just like dude yeah. I just want to know about the gun that we're interested in educate me on that and let's keep it moving you call that a date well it was a date it was me well you, you told me it was going to be a date in a place for and four it was going to be a surprise I got all cute and whatnot for that I could have had on sneakers a hoodie I could have had on Tim's, but it was something cargo different. pants. What it was, I definitely is, didn't need to have on heels for that. Uh, I believe in in my right to bear arms, and uh, Gia and I took a class where we will be able to have our uh, firearm in thirty three states. Mm-hmm. And right we had now, to, and we had to take that class. Right, and then after the class, we we got to shoot a couple of different firearms, and that was fun. That was fun. So that was the part of the date that I enjoyed. But that class, whew, that was for the birds. Even though our instructors were very, very nice and yeah. they were informative and somewhat entertaining and whatnot. So maybe it wasn't as bad as I said, but it's kind of like um, if you have points on your license and you uh-huh. have to go and sit through that tedious class to get the points removed. Mm-hmm. It felt, I mean, I've never been in one of those classes, but every time that I hear about it, that's what I imagine it to be like. You're sitting in a cold room with desks and chairs and you just have to sit there taking information in. It was, it was, it was, it teetered on awful. But but the gun shooting part was fun. That was fun. I mean, you're better with a revolver than a semi-automatic. Right. Well, maybe you should explain the difference. Uh, well, a revolver is like the old school guns that you would see the cowboys have when it's like the cowboys and Indians and they have the the barrel on the side. That's the revolver. And then a, a gun is probably, I mean, a semi-automatic is probably what you see police with now. They have the Glocks or, mm-hmm. or HK or the HK, a different mm-hmm. size gun. So gear did better with the revolver. I did better with the semi-automatic. Right. Well, that was, I mean, I've shot a gun before, but this, this time I took it a lot more seriously because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're going to get guns and we're going to, yeah. like, I really need to know how to use this. Absolutely. And I need to, I took it more seriously. It wasn't just like, pop, 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 pop. Right. <laughs> I'm going to take the kids too. Okay. Because you can take the kids. They can learn. At how, what age? Uh, I believe at age eight, you can learn how to shoot a rifle. And then I believe at 13, you can shoot a handgun. Quick question, now that you just mentioned that, years ago, maybe, I could be wrong, but maybe three years ago, Uh wasn't there a story about a young girl, I'm imagining that she might have been eight or nine. Okay. And I remember it was a big story. Um, She had a trainer. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it was her father. I believe it was someone that was training her to shoot guns. And they were out in a field. And I don't remember what exactly it was that happened, but there was some kind of accident. And she actually wound up accidentally shooting her instructor. Yeah. Was it her father? No, right? No, it was an instructor. What happened was... And she was was supposed to be really nice with it, too. No, no, no. I don't think she was nice. I think she was just learning. She wasn't nice, but she but was I learning. I thought there was something spectacular about her. No, I think she was just learning. What happened was, um, if you ever go to the gun range or you go with your, your boyfriend or you go with your girlfriend, you're supposed to leave the gun facing the target, right? facing away from you. That's the first thing they tell you. But a lot of people get excited when, you know, when they shoot the gun, it scares them. It's loud. The shells are flying. So they don't put the gun back down. You even did that the first time. First time, um, last was it last year or a yeah. year and a half ago? Something? First time you went to the range, you shot the gun and it was it was powerful. I, I don't remember what gun it was. I think we shot a Glock forty and you shot it pow and it was almost dead on target. So I was so excited. So you jumped up and you and you turn around and now the gun is. I was like, did you see that? It was the first thing I did. <laughs> you ducked. I said, put the gun down. Put the gun down. Right, right, like, right. That's a loaded firearm. People, yes. you know, forget that those guns are loaded firearms and those are. 
you know, you can kill somebody. And I think the girl did the same thing. She turned to her instructor and the gun went off. And when a gun went off, I thought it was a little bit more of a complicated. So I don't remember it being that straightforward. No, um, I think it was an accident. I think she turned. No, it definitely was an accident. And I think she shot him. The, the instructor was like a marksman, and that's what you probably mean. The instructor was probably one of the one of the best shooters in the in the country, or something like that. He was won all type of awards. That was instructor, but uh, she was just a, a, a new shooter. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the first thing you do is you, you just order. You got to remember, it, you know, and it's crazy because. You can go to any gun range pretty much and rent out space and shoot, you mm-hmm. know, and there's certain things that you should know as a, as a shooter, you know, where to put the gun, where it should face, loading ammunition. So I think they should do a class before they allow you to do. To even go into the even range. Go, even if it's a 30 right. minute class, you should have that. But, you know, like you came and you was like, yes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's going to shoot me. I'm going to die. I wasn't going to shoot right you. Right now. And my finger wasn't even on the trigger. I don't After know where I your finger shot, was. It doesn't matter. I put my index finger on. No, my pointer finger on the index of the gun where you. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that much I knew. Doesn't you matter. just didn't know. So you were scared. Nah, but you still never point a gun at right. anybody. But, well, it wasn't pointed, Rashawn. It you was moving it around. It yeah, even, but it wasn't pointed I, at I you. I ducked. Mm-hmm. I thought you were trying to kill me and get the life insurance policy. One of the, instru- <laughs> one of the instructors told us a story that. Basically, when you shoot a gun, the cartridge is ejected from the gun. And those cartridges can fly anywhere. Anywhere. And it flies back. It flies to the right. It could fly, fly anywhere. Yesterday, this, I'm going to tell you something. Honey. Yesterday, what? when I was shooting, actually, I was watching you shoot. Mm-hmm. And one of your cartridges flew out of your gun and went right down my shirt. Oh, it did go down it your down shirt. My shirt. It hit me in the head first. Boom. <laughs> It went right down my shirt. Uh huh. Was I, it hot? It was hot. Definitely hot. It was hot. So the same thing happened to this person in the story, and mm-hmm. the cartridge flew into the back of his shirt, and right. it was hot. And his first instinct was with his hand that was holding the gun to reach back and shake his shirt to let the cartridge fall to the ground. And when he did that, his son was standing behind him and he accidentally shot and, and killed, killed his, his son. son. Right. So it's a type of thing that you have to use with care and absolutely with all types of discretion. And you have to have um, certain protocols in place so that you know how to use it and so that you and everyone around you are safe. Yeah, so absolutely. We, that's why that was what the class was about that and a lot of other safety things, and things mm-hmm. like. Yeah. But, you know, that's why I want to teach the kids early because. You know, I bought my first gun at 21. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have no idea what I was doing. I just wanted a gun and bought it. And I kind of figured out how to use it and how to be safe with it just by reading and practicing. Um, but I would prefer if something happens in the house, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a bear comes up in the crib, you know, and and people don't laugh in our neighborhood. That has happened absolutely. to people before. Yeah, bears walk up where, in the crib. Well, you know. In the summertime, a lot of times people are cooking in their kitchen and they leave the hard door open and they leave the screen door closed. Right. And sometimes, you know, a bear can smell the food cooking in your kitchen and then come from the woods. And in one case, he tore down a person's screen door. She turned around and the bear was in her kitchen. Right. So I could imagine me not being home in this big bear. And it could be me and you both not home, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe the kids don't have enough time to run and get out the house or maybe they're stuck and they feel like look I, at least let me have this gun I can protect you know because nine times out of ten if you shoot that gun the bear's gonna run so I would just I would rather the kids um, you don't think so you I know? think they could probably just go and lock themselves in a room and call 911 Hopefully. I don't think that they would have to reach for a firearm but just in case to shoot just in case there's a firearm smoky yeah. This, hey, just like, case I, I don't I don't think that that would be the right but I do think that the more knowledge, the better. Oh, a criminal comes in the house one day and, and they feel like they're stuck and the criminal's coming mm-hmm. towards them and they can't, you know, maybe they lock themselves in a room and then when they lock themselves in a room, the criminal's knocking at the door. They call 911. They the criminal the knocks police, at the door? Or banging down the door, I should say. <laughs> and, and hey, kids, to, let me in. They might, have to, they might have to let off a round in the, in the criminal's ass. Well, we don't have to come up with the hypothetical situations, but I would rather them be knowledgeable of how to use and handle a firearm as Absolutely. opposed to not be knowledgeable about how to use a fire a firearm, especially if we're going to have one or two or whatever in the house. Not that, that it would be accessible to them, no. but 
I think that it's better that they know as opposed to not knowing. And you know what's so crazy? When you go to the gun range, right? I've been to the gun range so many different times. That first bang, I don't know if it made you jump yesterday too. Because we were, we were sitting in a class for four hours and we go into the range and, and we're loading up, the, uh, loading up the pistol. And all of a sudden, it's just like, bang! I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Like, Let me get my shit together. <laughs> no, but then I got used to it. Yeah, yeah I got used to it. Then too. it didn't even make, make me flinch. Once I was shooting, I didn't even flinch. And in the beginning, my gun would dip down a little bit because I was anticipating right. the bang and the shock of it. But once I got my got my head right and I'm looking I'm like okay you have to breathe mm-hmm. concentrate there's going to be a bang you have to disregard it and pull the trigger yeah, I, mean, I was able to do that I mean I, I was so nice your head is right that's one thing I could say when 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 that's you know, no so about when you're shooting a gun you, you know you're okay when you're right. shooting mm-hmm. like your head right. is is right <laughs> I will come like over there your, I promise you I'm about to you got come your over eyes there. on the prize <laughs> you're what? so stupid what yeah forget it but you know what I wanted to um, uh, what I wanted to talk about, and I'm gonna let you start. Uh, the reason I'm letting you start is, is because I gotta run to the back and grab the the, uh, the charger for the laptop because it's taping, so I forgot, and I don't want it to die out in the middle of us talking. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna let you start. So we left off last week. Uh, wanted to talk about your mom and dementia, right? And because uh, your mom lives with us, um, and it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy at all. And not because your mom is is a problem or anything like that, but it's it's sad because she's very forgetful. So for people that don't know what dementia is or maybe haven't heard the show or maybe haven't heard me talk about it on air, explain to the people what happened with your mom and how we believe she got dementia. Okay, well, first, let me start off by telling you guys a little bit about my mother. Um, my mother, to say the least, is the most independent person that I'd ever known. And she was so independent that I would say that she led with that trait, that everything that she did, her mind worked based off of independence. And if anything ever threatened her independence, she would denounce it or reject it. I think that because, you know, she came to this country, my mother was born in Jamaica and she came to this country when she was 16 years old and she came here to make a better life for herself and um, to live the American dream, like a lot of people that come to this country to do the same. And she got a job young. She was able to put herself through college she graduated. She got a good job. She bought her first car at, I think, 16 and a half or 17. And she worked hard her entire life to provide for her family and to give myself and my siblings everything that we ever wanted. Right. And she was a type of woman that never told us no. Anything that I ever wanted, she made sure that she was able to go out and get. Mm -hmm. And she was very responsible. She always had top-notch credit. Um, She was always able, well, she always, you know, she earned a very good living. But if there was something that she wanted that was beyond her means, her credit was so great that she was always able to go out and get it. Correct. So she wasn't a weak, a feeble, or... The type of woman that wasn't able to go out and get it. She wasn't the type of woman that wasn't able to go out and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Anything that she wanted, anything that we wanted, she was able to go out and make it happen. Correct. And I don't say that disregarding my father because my father was, you know, he was a breadwinner as well, but they were co-breadwinners. You know, they both went out and got it and made it happen and provided a great life for myself and my brother. So she raised us very well. And let's see, about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. would you say 10 years ago? Uh- Yeah, 10 years ago. About 10 years ago. My mother got into a very small car accident. Mm -hmm. Nothing detrimental. Um, She injured her shoulder. 
And she debated whether she was going to have the the surgery to correct the injury because it didn't necessarily have to happen. It was recommended by her doctor that she continue with the surgery, but she was like, "Ah, I don't know if I really want to have a surgery. I've never had a surgery in my life. Mm -hmm. So she was encouraged to do so. She went ahead with the surgery. And it was, you know couple of hours or whatever I went to the hospital to pick her up Mm -hmm. and at the time she wasn't necessarily herself she was a little groggy and she was experiencing some kind of memory memory loss okay when we asked about it after about a week or two Mm -hmm. they said that it was um, post-surgical cognitive disorder or post-surgical cognitive dysfunction. Basically, she was fucked up after the surgery for a little bit. That definition usually holds for a short-term memory loss. Okay. Up to about six months. But her condition of memory loss not only lasted up to the three months that they mentioned, but it deteriorated as time went on and it went well past the three months. Mm -hmm. So that was more of a post-surgical memory disorder. Okay. And that spun quickly into dementia, which is irreversible. You can take supplements and there are certain drugs that can slow down dementia or make the symptoms not as aggressive or not as bad. But once you're experiencing dementia, you are on that road face forward and there's no real turning back. Okay. Um, And sometimes it comes before the onset of Alzheimer's or Mm -hmm. sometimes you can just experience dementia all the way through and it doesn't turn into Alzheimer's. And sometimes you can have Alzheimer's without it beginning with dementia. So they can... They, it can happen one before the other or they can each happen independent of one another. Uh-huh. So her memory was was declining and it was happening at such a fast rate. And at first we didn't know because it's not as though they gave you solid answers. You know, when we asked the surgeon that mm-hmm. performed the surgery, it was like, a janky kind of answer. It was a very indirect kind of answer. Okay. Oh, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, or, oh, no, it doesn't have anything to do with the anesthesia. We asked somebody else, oh, yeah, maybe it does have something to, to do with the anesthesia. And it was very difficult to get a solid, concrete answer. Okay. Finally, once I did enough research and I sought help from a neurologist, I realized that that was exactly what she was going through. It was the onset of dementia. And for a woman who worked her entire life from 16 up until her 60s, it was, she knew in the beginning that something was wrong, but it was messing with her short-term memory. Mm -hmm. So it's not as though she was able to remember that something was wrong. So she just knew that something wasn't right and she was out of sorts. Mm -hmm. She was continuing to go to work because in the beginning it was mild. But then her job called me and told me that they didn't know what was going on and she was forgetting things. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation with the person that she worked with and we pretty much came to the conclusion that she wasn't going to be able to sustain her job because she wasn't competent in that field anymore. So she had to resign. And for a person like her, being forced to resign was the end of the world because that was the first step in the loss of her independence. Gotcha. And when she lost her job, well, when she was forced to resign, resign, it sent her into a very deep depression. Okay. And it was, I mean, she was clinically depressed. She had to see a a psychiatrist and she was prescribed medicine that she had to take to combat the depression. And that all came with this memory disorder. And it, 
it it decreased even more rapidly at that point. And it's as though they go into people that suffer from this, they can go into stages. And the first stage, well, actually the second, the first stage was depression. The second stage that we noticed was the paranoia. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many of you have experienced this from what I can tell based on the emails and the DMs, a lot of you are experiencing this, not just with dementia, but dementia, but also having to care for parents who are older and are maybe going through other ailments that are preventing them from caring for themselves. Mm -hmm. But when, um, when she, when she became depressed and whatnot, and then she went into the paranoia, she became paranoid, particularly about finances. And I don't know if it was because finances was so close to her heart, Mm -hmm. because that had a big hold on her independence. Correct. So I think she began par- began to b- become paranoid about finances because that was such a big part of her life. That was such a big part of her strength. And it was always about her bank account and what's going on with this and what's going on with that. And we would reply by saying, you know, everything is the same way that you left it. And she was always worried about maybe the potential of someone stealing from her or right. because she didn't have control of her finances anymore. Now gotcha. She had to leave it up to someone else or, you know, myself, my brother or whomever to take care of her finances. And that lack of control really sent her into a tailspin. Well, you know how I know it was bad. I don't know if you remember one. I think it was birthday or Christmas. Oh, it was it was birthday. Birthday. Mm -hmm. It was Madison's birthday. Mm -hmm. And she wrote Madison a check. It was her fifth birthday. A fifth birthday. Mm -hmm. And at the time I knew the dementia was coming. We we all kind of knew, but it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. And she wrote Madison a check for a thousand dollars. Yes. And when she gave she was always a big gift giver. Every Mm -hmm. one of my children's birthdays, it was always a very big gesture. Right. And when she gave her the check, what did I tell you? Do you remember? You said, don't accept it. I said, don't take the check. Because she was already starting to act strange when it came to finances. She was always suspicious about her finances once the dementia began to set in. Right. And um, I remember uh, he was like, no, she gave it to Madison. It's fine. It's a birthday gift. I said, no, don't. Let's not take that check. Right. Because at at that time, she was cognitive enough to ask me, well, what does Madison want for her birthday? And I remember at that time, we were redecorating her playroom Uh and we were letting her and Logan choose the things that they wanted. And I remember saying, I said, well, there's this little mini sofa and a beanbag and a little table that she wants to color at. I said, so... You know, one of those would be nice. She was like, well, I'll just write you a thousand dollar check and you can get, you know, whatever you want right. out of that group. And I said, OK, sounds good. Right. So I remember trying to give the check back to her and she was like, no, mm-hmm. uh, you she was like, what was the word that she used? Don't don't disrespect me. I gave you the money. This is for y'all. This is for Madison. Uh, Madison. This is for my granddaughter. This is for my granddaughter. Uh-huh. OK. So And I felt badly because I felt as though she really took it as an insult, especially knowing that something strange was going on with her mind. Right. That I think tapped on us kind of cutting down her independence. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, long story short, we cashed the check. Mm -hmm. We redecorated Madison's room Mm -hmm. like we were. And about a month later, I guess when she was doing her finances, She's seen this thousand dollar check. Well, she sat down with my brother. Right. And they were, I don't know if they were depositing checks or whatever it was, but she saw the thousand dollars out the account. Uh huh. And she could not remember writing that thousand dollar check. Right. So she, I remember she went to the, they thought that we stole the thousand dollars. Well, she thought that. Right. Now, mind you, to put it in perspective for for you guys, she wrote a check, signed it with her signature, and in the note section of the check, it said Madison's birthday gift. Correct. So it was very clear what it was, and it was clear to my brother, who was helping her right. at the time. And he even said, Mom, you know, 
that's your signature. So it was Madison's birthday and you've never not given any of your grandkids. No, she went, remember, she went to the bank. Wait, well, hold on. Okay. But this is the conversation they had internally first. He's like, you've never not given any of your grandkids a gift. So it makes perfect sense like that you wrote that. Right. And this is how bad dementia is. It doesn't just affect your memory. It affects your whole psyche, your whole sense of reasoning, your sense of common sense, things that would just occur to you naturally. It plays with that. And it's almost as though it's playing tricks on you. And I felt as though she felt like she was being fooled with but just didn't know it. It was so bad that she went to the bank. Right, she went to the bank to check to see if if somebody had stole a check. Mm-hmm. Well, not even somebody, if, if we stole a check. And when she went to the bank and they checked the signatures, they said, no, this is your signature. Right. And right then and there, I said, this is very, very bad. Now, also what you have to understand is that there has never been a mother-daughter duo closer than myself and my mother. Correct. This is something that my mother, in her right mind, would have never, ever, ever accused me of, or it would have never crossed her mind. This concept is so left from the place that my mother has been in with me her entire life. Right. My mother could have in her right mind seen me take a check out of her drawer and forge her signature. She could have been behind a bush when I went into the bank to cash it and she would have always said my daughter's not capable of that. Correct. Because no one knows me better. Right. And I mean the relationship that we shared was so unlike most mother daughters that I know, my mother and I we would speak about maybe eight or nine times a day. Right. And when Rashawn and I was in college, my mother would call at three o'clock in the morning because she was a bit of an insomniac. So she would call me at three o'clock in the morning. And one time, I guess you might have had enough of it because we'd be laying in bed and my phone would ring. Right. And you're like, your mom again? What do you guys have to talk about at three o'clock in the morning? Right. Like this doesn't even make any sense. I'm and sure I wasn't like that. I showed I a, remember a lot more rude. Okay. You were probably a lot more rude, but I remember being infuriated with you. Like my freaking mother can call me at any point in the day, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, if she has the itch to do that. And you know what I'll do every time? I will get up, walk in the next room, and take the damn phone call and sit and talk to her about about idle things at any point. Do not disrespect my mother. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like I, we were just so protective of one another. So it wouldn't be, there couldn't be a situation that was any more far from reality that my mother would think that me or Rashawn and I both would do something to hurt her or to do something that was so anti our personalities like be fraudulent about something you know yeah so from there we knew that it was something that was very very wrong and it got worse and got worse and got worse and it got so worse that we actually decided to have her live with us Well, it got to a point where my brother was taking care of her Mm -hmm. um, because my mother has a two family home in Queens and she lives on one floor and my brother lives on the on the second floor. Correct. So she well, he he was taking care of her at the time because they were living in the same home. But he's a guy and there's a way that your son would take care of you and then there's a way that your daughter would take care of you. And that wasn't the only insulting thing that my mother had done to me at that frame. And I remember Rashawn saying to me, you know, does that hurt you? And I said, you know, I can't help but feel hurt because of the things that I'm being accused of or that we're being accused of, but at the same time, my rational mind knows that that's not my mother. Right. That's somebody else. Right. And go ahead, I'm sorry. And we decided that she had to come and live with us. Right. But 
she's not the type of person that would ever live under someone else's roof. No, not at all. And and, and Mama's been here for I don't even know how long, but about two she, years she, now. She, only two. Yeah, this happened for a very. I thought very, Mama's been here long, longer than that. This happened for a very Mm -hmm. long time. And Roman, my brother's name is Roman, and Roman was taking care of her and he was doing a good job. But I felt as though he was in and out, maybe too much. And she got to a point where I was worried about her being alone for even an hour. Right. So at your urging and you know, me just naturally wanting her here, we decided that she was going to move in. But it wasn't an easy sell because even though she wasn't in her right mind, she knew that she wanted to be under her own roof and that nobody is going to take care of her and nobody's going to pay her way and, you know, nobody's going to feed her. She just had to, she, even though she almost didn't know who she was, she knew that, that independence was still so important to her. So literally one day, Rashawn and I had to drive to Queens to her house and damn near kidnap her. Yeah. We had to force her out of her house. No clothes. No clothes. Well, no, well she had clothes well, on. She had clothes on. She didn't take but no clothes we couldn't, with her, right? Pa- we, there was no opportunity to pack a bag, to grab another pair of shoes. We almost had to trick her into the car and then bring her to our house and... Never brought her back. Yeah, she's been she's been here ever <laughs> yeah, since. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really that's really how it happened. Um, and then you know, I told my brother, I said, "Don't even worry. I'm just going to buy her all new clothes. I'll buy her new wardrobe. Buy right. her all new shoes, underwear, everything. And you know, I'm setting her room up here, and we're going to take care of her. Yeah, and she's been here ever since. And, and she's been here ever since. And this portion of the Casey Crew podcast is brought to you by Southern New Hampshire University. Are you considering going to college? Well. Whether you're attending for the first time or going back to complete your degree, there are three common financial aid mistakes most students make that you can avoid. Discover them in Southern New Hampshire University by texting TRY to 554433. That's TRY to 554433. Southern New Hampshire University's mission is to make higher education accessible and affordable for everyone. So everybody goes to college and I'm sure they'll help you out financially. All right. When you choose to get your education, you owe it to yourself to avoid the top three financial aid mistakes. Learn about SNHU plus the top three financial aid mistakes and how to avoid them by texting TRY to 554433. That's T-R-Y to 554433. Message and data rates may apply. Now, the I don't want to say this is funny, but it 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 was probably one of the saddest things I've seen because you cried. Me? Yeah. What, what are you talking about? Uh, we went to Dubai. We took the family trip to Dubai. Okay. And remember, mm-hmm. we went to the Maldives and then on a flight back, we were all sitting in um, in first class. I had all, all of us had beds. We were all beds. Bedded up. I was sleeping. Madison was sleeping. Logan was sleeping. The babies were sleeping. Mm-hmm. We brought my mother. You were sleeping. Mm-hmm. And your mom was up. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe the air pressure Quite possibly really, the air pressure. Really fucked with her. So she was up and she was thinking that. And you have to think it's a, from the Maldives to back to Dubai was, I think, four hours. Right. And then Dubai back to the States was about 14 hours. About 14. Right. So we were on a very long flight and maybe the duration combined with the air pressure. Right. Um, it had an effect on my mother that. I never saw before. Um, now, she is at, I mean, she's at a very um, mentally debilitating stage of her memory loss. For instance, she she cannot just go and take a shower. Right. I have to bring her to take a shower mm-hmm. and put the body wash on her washcloth and give it to her and tell her what to do with it. I have to put the toothpaste on her toothbrush right. and tell her what to do with it. I have to pick out her clothes. I have to put on her bra because she won't have any idea how to latch the bra. She's not able to use a cell phone or a remote control or anything. She cannot really help me with um, the babies or anything because right. she wouldn't know how to prepare a bottle or 
she wouldn't have a clue as to whether they ate or how much or anything. She doesn't really have the ability to care for herself or anyone else. So it's really kind of like taking care of a child in a sense. And that's the level that she had been operating at. But on this flight, I experienced something with her that I never experienced. And I didn't I never got the sense that I would. Right. I was sleeping, actually, on the way back. And I look up and I just see you tearing. And I was like, what happened? What was wrong? And your mother was on a plane and she didn't know who you were. It was the first time that my mother didn't recognize me which is crazy which was crazy in all of these years with her suffering from dementia she had never gotten to a point where she didn't know who i was but the crazy part about it is when i stood up she was like hey rashawn <laughs> she knew exactly who i was oh so that's the funny part that you're referring <laughs> yeah, that, to oh yeah she knew exactly but then when madison got up she knew who madison was mm-hmm. so on the whole plane she knew who I was and she knew who Madison was. Right. Which was crazy to me because right. she didn't know who you were. She didn't know Logan. She didn't know the babies. She didn't. She had no idea what was going on. Right. And while we were on the plane, she thought that she was at her office at work at, you know, the place that she had worked for, uh-huh. for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. So it's funny because it's a very large plane and it has an upstairs and, and a downstairs. downstairs. Right. So she wanted to get up and go downstairs to the file room where all the accounts are held and she needed to find a specific account. Like she had a whole scenario worked up in her brain and that wasn't a plane. That wasn't that was her office. That was her office. She was trying to go and downstairs. She was like, where's the steps? I need to go downstairs. Right. And she has a bed. And next to the bed, obviously, is her window. So I opened up the window. And I'm like, look, Mom, we're in the air. Look, we're on a plane. We just got back from a vacation. And I pulled out my phone. And I'm showing her pictures of her doing different things. I'm like, you had a wonderful time. We just left. Right. You know, we were just in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Mm-hmm. You know? And she was just like, really? That's me? But... How do I get back to work? And how is this a plane? This doesn't even make sense. There's steps. She just, she couldn't, she couldn't grasp anything. Right. But that really hurt my heart. Mm -hmm. That hurt my heart. And I didn't know if it was going to be a temporary thing. But then after about 30 minutes, she remembered who I was. You know, I was talking to her and she was like, oh yeah, well, you're my daughter. Right. But before I was her daughter, I was just this nice lady that was sitting next to her on the plane that was trying to help her figure out what was going on. And this guy that was on the plane that I was talking to, she was talking to him the same way that, you know, she was talking to me. And she she was like, you know, she's such a nice lady. And she told the the waitress, she called the flight attendant, the the waitress, she told the waitress to get me my food and my cookies because I like cookies. She was like, you are such a nice girl and you're so pretty too. And I was like, well, that's my mom. Right, right, right. There goes my mom, you know, Um, but that was a new low for me um, when it came to her condition. But then it was okay, And then she remembered again. So right now. And the reason I think she remembered me is because I'm the one that gives her those snacks. Like, it's oh, 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 is that what it is? (laughs) I really think so. And and not to compare. She does think that you are the sweetest person in the world because you always give her her snacks. It's going to sound crazy, but it is going to be a bad comparison, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. You know, with a dog, right? Uh, see, I had a feeling. You want to just skip that? No, but I'm, I'm going to tell you. you just skip that? All right, let me skip that part. <laughs> but every time I come home, I always come home with a snack for your mom, whether uh-huh. it's some chocolate chip cookies. Your mother loves Pepsi. She loves soda. You know, she loves chips. Mm-hmm. She loves any type of snack. Uh-huh. And, you know, she just, it's like when I come home, she'd be like, got something for me? I'm like, yeah, mama, here. Yeah. You know, she loves it. So she always is going to remember me because I'm the snack guy. Right. Well, to kind of bounce off of that really quick, she cannot stand our nanny. Right. Because our our nanny's trying to poison her. She she thinks that she's trying to poison her because I tell I tell her our our Uh nanny's name is Irma 
I tell Irma not to give her any snacks because all she she will not eat dinner. She will not eat hot food unless you sit there and watch her to right. make sure that she finishes her food. She will take her food and put it underneath the couch. She'll go to the bathroom, throw an entire plate of in food the toilet, yep. in the toilet. Toilet all stopped up. Exactly. Because all she wants is fruit snacks, chocolate chip cookies, muffins and soda if i tell her that she needs to drink a bottle of water she will literally kiss her teeth and roll her eyes at me right and like give me a dirty look and then be like okay i'll I'll finish it all don't don't worry no you don't have to watch me i'll finish it all and sometimes i'll test and i'll see i'll go hide behind something and she'll go straight to the sink and pour it away and pour it down the drain and it's kind of interesting um she she doesn't have any concern for her health or no. anything. She just uh-uh. wants to be satisfied. Well, let me ask you a question. And, and, and the question that I think everybody wants to know is, how do you live with it and how do you cope? Because it is very difficult. Well, it took a very long time. Um, the first lesson that I think, well, forget about me. It was more difficult for the kids right. in the beginning when we first got my mother and she moved in with us you have she, to have a lot of patience you have to have a lot of patience um let me let me cut you off before you go okay i just want to say patience is everything right and the reason i say that is grandma will tell you the same story 52 times in a row oh yeah mm-hmm. say it with the same intensity with like the same enthusiasm, same enthusiasm like as it, as she said it the first like time. Like it just happened. Mm-hmm. Like you can sit there and change the story, and be like you, but but she'll do the same story over and over again. And at first, it used to irk me. I'd be like, "Oh my goodness, here it goes again. This is number four. Mm-hmm. And then we go again, number five. Number but it'll six. start as soon as the beginning will start as soon as the first time ended, right? And it was it, it, it's crazy how the mind works because. She would use the exact same words. It was like hitting replay. And she would tell you that story again. I mean, the exact same intensity. You would think you were in the twilight zone. The exact same words. And it's crazy because when you tell a story, and let's say it's a five-minute story, Mm -hmm. you can't remember the exact way that you told it. You can't remember the exact words that you used. You don't remember when you smiled, you laughed, you giggled, you frowned, you whatever. But Every time that she would tell a story, and this is up until yesterday, it's the same words as though you hit replay. The, the craziest story, I, I, and I know you were saying how you cope with it, but I just remembered. The craziest story is when her dog ran away. Well, I was about to tell that. That's why I was about to oh mention. Oh, my gosh. Well, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. Oh. So what happened was when she moved in with us, she left her dog. She had a little Pomeranian that I gave her years ago. Right. She left that dog at the house with my brother. And it was my brother's job, obviously, to care for the dog. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, one day the dog got out. And ran away. And ran away. Oh, my goodness. Never came back. I don't know why your brother called her and told her that. So my brother called and told my mother my mother bawled like it was her firstborn child that got hit by a truck correct i mean it was awful and then she would say you know what happened the dog's name was um dylan what happened to dylan how 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 did he get out and how did roman let him out and whatever and i would tell her and it, it was awful so then as soon as she calmed down she forgot that her dog ran away. So then she would go and ask, well, you know, what happened to the dog? And I would tell her what happened to the dog. And the reaction was the same as I told her the first Balling, time. Crying. Then she would bawl all over again. And it must have happened about eight or nine times yes. over a three-day period <laughs> of us having to retell her that the dog is gone until the point where because I didn't want to lie to her and that's you know that's another thing nah, you know? I said fuck that we gotta lie now you know 
just because she has this condition, I didn't want to do what would make, quote unquote, our lives easier. Nah. I wanted to do the right thing. Nope, so every time lie. that she asked, I would tell her the truth. Nope. And Rashawn said to me, well, you know, it's going to get to a point where we just can't tell her the truth. Like the dog, when she asked, the dog is okay. Roman's taking care of the dog. Yep. It's fine. It ate. It goes out. It's happy. It's wagging its tail. S- send me a picture and, you know, show your mom. Absolutely. And it got to a point where I said, okay. You said, fuck that. Well, I didn't say that, but you I was just like, all right, well, because it was for her own well-being. I didn't want her to suffer. She was suffering each time as though it was the first. I don't think you understand, though, for everybody out there listening. It wasn't just Gia. It wasn't just me. It was Madison and Logan. I mean, Madison and Logan. And the kids, and, and you know, I think our family's the type of family is if one cried, we just all start crying. So now Madison is crying in the room. I'm like, Madison, why are you crying? She's like, because the dog ran away. I'm like, Madison, you know the fucking dog didn't run away. You know it's a fucking lie. <laughs> like, stop crying. She's like, I know, but grandma's crying. And Logan will be crying. One time it had me crying. I'm like, why the fuck am I crying? <laughs> I know the dog didn't run away. Wait, the dog did run oh, away. Oh, I mean, I know, oh, yeah, right. I guess the dog did run away. Oh, but I think we were all crying because grandma, I think we were all crying because grandma was so hurt. But it was the fact that how many times can you cry? Like, we're crying over and over and over and over. I said, you know what? Well, it was so, because she was so hurt, it was, uh, like, it was horrible to see. So right. I think that that's why the kids were crying. But then we had to convince her that the dog didn't run away. Correct. And that worked. So in her mind right now, she thinks that the dog is still at, you know, at the house. At the but, you know, when it came to telling stories over and over again, it wasn't that wasn't so bad. It was asking questions. Right. And she would do things that aren't normal, that just aren't normal. Like she would wake up in the middle of the night and wonder because the dog is so important that now, even up until last week, she'll wake up in the middle of the night and go and wake up Logan at, say, three o'clock and say, Logan, Logan do you know where my dog is? And Logan's like, I don't know. Like what? What? That dog from like, and she'll say, yeah, where's my dog? And then he'll wake up and get it together. Like, Oh, the dog is, you know, he, he's with uncle Roman. Like the dog is fine. And then she'll walk around the house looking for the dog. So I'll hear creaks in the wood or whatever. And then I'll wake up and be like, Oh, mommy's looking for the dog. So I have to get up and go, Oh, no, mommy, the dog is okay. The dog's at Romans. Like, don't worry. Everything is fine. And then another thing that she, it's like things recur. Right. As I, when I was young, she was always like a stickler when it came to her purse. Right. Her purse always had to be within eyeshot. Absolutely. Exactly. No, you, when I was a kid, I couldn't go in my, and go in my mother's purse. Mm-hmm. Like right now, if Madison or Logan is like, mom, I need money. I'm going to the store. Whatever, I'm like, all right, we'll just go in my bag and take out whatever you need. Right. Or, you know, my bag is like a free for all. Anybody can go in my bag. When I was a kid, I couldn't go in my mother's bag for nothing. Mm. I couldn't even look at her bag. If she, there was something in her bag that I needed, she would have to go and get it for me. Right. So now you see that kind of playing out like different parts of her personality still show up even though in a lot of ways she's like a child she's she'll wake up in the middle of the night and come and get me yeah where's my pocketbook did you put my pocketbook away and mm-hmm. i'll say oh no i put it it's behind the blah 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 oh gosh because i was so worried i didn't see it right you know what i mean so things like that also my mother was a type of person that my entire life i never saw my mother naked right she was a very private person like you if she's dressing you can't come in that room. You can't right. pass by the room. The door is shut and locked. Very, very private. So even now when it comes to her getting her bath or anything like that, that door has to be locked or she has to be shielded and whatnot. So there are still parts of her personality that still come up. And I think that's why she was so paranoid about the finances because finances was always such an important part of her life. Right. You know, and that, and that was her, her work was, she worked with finances as well. That was what she did for a living. So it was always so important to her. So when the paranoia kicked in, it was in relation to that. Right. Now also, which was crazy is, is I remember us buying your mom jeans and the jeans had holes in them. They were kind of like trendy jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like rips, like ripped jeans. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and with the trendy jeans, she couldn't, she was like, I have jeans with holes in them. 
to your mom. You have me going out here in the street looking like, like a ho- vagabond. Like, like, no, she thought she thought that was like homeless because you back that's in what her day, vagabond is, babes. Back, oh, back like, in the day, that was a homeless person. So she was like, "You have me looking homeless." I'm like, I, I can't believe you have me coming outside. I'm like, "Mama, that's the style." You wear those type of jeans? I'll yeah, say, yeah, yeah. I wear those type of jeans. <laughs> and to like to this day, if you put those jeans on her, she will say the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because the kids would get annoyed in the very beginning. You know, like, oh my gosh, mommy, grandma's asking me the same questions over and over and over again, and I just can't take it. And I remember one time I got very, very angry because I saw the frustration in the kids and I had to sit them both down and tell them, listen, I don't care how frustrated you get. If grandma asks you the same question 100 times, you answer that question 100 times with a smile and as lovingly as you would have answered it the first time. Oh, but mom, it's so annoying. Grandma has no idea she's being annoying. Right. Grandma has no idea what's going on. Grandma doesn't know how to use a toothbrush properly. Do you think that she has any gauge on the fact that she might be frustrating to the people around her? She has no idea. And believe me, if she had any choice, she wouldn't be. My mother, if she knew the state that she's in right now if she was aware she would rather not be here if she knew that she was in a position where someone has to take care of her and bathe her and give her her food and that you know people are extending themselves to make sure that she's good and you know have that kind of hold on her life where she's dependent on someone else I guarantee you her choice would be to not be here at all. all right. She would never because that I I don't think that there's too many things that would be more embarrassing for my mother than to know that she's existing in that life. Well, let me ask you a question and I know we've been talking about this a lot and to everybody out there, you know, this is a a very important subject to us. That's why we're we're dedicating the whole episode to this. So, how do you deal with it? You know, how do you coexist how do you make sure that's what everybody wants to know they might be feeling the same problems the same situations how do you deal with it you know and for people that are um starting to experience this like if your parent is at the onset of this condition it's so hard it is so hard. Very hard. Right now, you know, we're kind of long in the tooth with it because, like I said earlier, it's been 10 or 11 years. But in the beginning, it's so difficult because you see them struggle. You're dealing with older people that are lost. And you and you know what? And, and they need you for everything. And you have to be on the same page as your spouse. I mean, because it's difficult for both sides. It's difficult for whoever's parent is catching and who has dementia because they're forgetting so much about their life. And it's a change. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just me, you anymore. It's it's me, you and mama. You know, mm-hmm. you got to make sure mama is good. You got to make sure mama goes out. You got to make sure that mama's still having fun, even though she's not going to remember it. She right. still has to have fun and go out and mama right. get in the pool and, 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 you know, mama goes on vacation with us and mama really has to experience life and not just stuck sitting down watching TV. I know someone whose mother also has dementia mm-hmm. and... She said to me, you know, you take your mom everywhere. You do everything with your mom and you're constantly making sure that she's entertained. But why? You know, she doesn't remember it. It's as though it didn't even happen. I said, well, what do you do with your mother? She said, well, I don't really do much with her. Like she pretty much stays in the house because if I take her out, it's, you know, more work for me. And. It's kind. I already have kids, so it's kind of like, you know, having to be responsible for another child. And she's not even going to remember it. She doesn't get anything from it. Right. For me, it doesn't matter if she remembers it. The only thing that's important, that in those moments, she's enjoying herself. Absolutely. In those moments, she's happy. In those moments, she's having a new experience. So we do everything with her we vacation with her just like Rashawn said we go in the pool with her we do all types of things and it means everything 
for us to see her happy. And not only that, you know, for instance, you can't. I'm sorry, babe. You can't just treat your parent or anyone like a vegetable because you think that they're not going to remember because that's abusive. If someone is in your care, and especially if it's your parent, you should make sure that they're well taken care of, that their bodies are well taken care of because a lot of times people don't want to go through the hardships of bathing an older person or, you know, if it ever gets to the point where you have to change an older person. But for me, and babe, I know you're about to say something, but let me just say this Uh because it just came into mind because it was part of the conversation that I had with this person that I know. She's like, well, if you do so much, because we did get into that discussion, I was telling her some of the things that we do. She said, if you do so much, why don't you just put her in an assisted living facility, a home. Mm -hmm. And I said, not that I have anything against quote unquote homes, but I would never put my mother in a home. A, I wouldn't want to see my mother in a home. I want to see my mother every day. I want her to see the happiness on my kids' faces every day because I feel as though that brings her joy. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, when you're dealing with someone who has dementia or Alzheimer's, they can't remember anything. So if someone is being hurtful towards them, if someone is abusing them, if someone's not taking care of them, and then they know that you come on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, or Tuesdays and Thursdays, or that you only come on the weekends, they make sure that they're right and spruced up for your visit. But if anything happens to my mother, she can never come back and tell me and say, well, this person is neglecting me. This person is hurting me or they're not feeding me or they're not doing whatever. So my mother will never see the inside of a home. I will change diapers. If it comes to that, I will do whatever it takes because I need to be certain that she's being cared for the way that she's supposed to be it's the same thing like with children for me and I know that this isn't um this not not everybody has this choice but for me when it came to all of our children I never wanted to put our children in any kind of child care whether it be a nanny a babysitter a daycare a school or anything until they were able to talk because When they can't talk, they can't tell you if they're being mistreated. But at least, you know, when they're two, two and a half and they're able to communicate fully, then they can say, hey, mom, this is what happened today or this is what this person did to me. Well, you know, I think you're thinking kind of old school. And the reason I say that is now I think all living assisted places have cameras in it now and you can see room to room same thing with daycares now they have cameras in every room where you can actually go online and pretty much watch everything live so you don't necessarily have to worry about i don't think somebody that they all have that. no i didn't say all of them but i say a lot of them do have them mm-hmm. and you know i honestly think it's going to get to a point where we might have to put your mom in it's a system let me explain why we it's move a lot happen we move a lot and we travel a lot um you know on the weekends, we, we go to shows sometimes and sometimes it's 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 very difficult to make sure your mom's OK and your mom is OK. She's she's fine. She's she's healthy. She, she doesn't need uh, a nurse yet, but it's going to get to a point like with with all elderly people where they need some help. And the thing with us is we're moving so much, you know, and you can't expect, you know, Madison or Logan or the nanny to 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 actually keep an eye on your mom 24 hours, seven days a week. Of course I wouldn't expect that. But that's why I love the assisted living because the assisted living is 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 Mm -hmm. days a year of eyeing that person. And I think that to keep an elderly person healthy may be needed at times. No. That's what I think. Mm -mm. Because she'll be there and she'll be alone. She doesn't have to be alone. She'll be alone. Even if there are people, say, for instance, on her floor that she plays games with or that she engages in conversation with or that she watches TV with, she's never going to remember them. At a place like that, she will never have a sense of 
home. Here, she knows that I'm her daughter. Right. She knows that you're her son-in-law. She knows that those kids are her grandchildren, except Brookie, because she thinks Brookie is a boy. Right. <laughs> Brookie can be an all pink, but she will call Brookie a boy every day. But whichever way, there's that sense of family here. Right. There, it's like throwing her out on a deserted island by herself. And she knows that we're her family because part of her long-term memory is still intact. For instance, with our nanny Irma, she cannot. Re- she doesn't know Irma's name, and Irma's been here almost as long as my mother has been here. Right. So she's like, "What's that lady's name again?" Mm-hmm. And she thinks that the lady's trying to poison her. Right. But the thing so is, so imagine when she, if she were to ever go to a place like that, the resentment she would feel. People trying to force her to eat and take her medicine and take her vitamins. She would feel so isolated and unhappy. It would never happen. See, I, I'm just different from you. You know, I, How are you? I think. How? I think some that sometimes that's needed. But and, hold on, and, and, hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt you, sweetie pie. Real quick, what would be the difference if we just hired someone to be here? If it got to that, if we if we were ever in that position, you're saying that we move and we shake and we're constantly on the go correct. and a lot of things with the kids and whatnot. Okay, I understand that. That's the truth. Right. But so what if we just hire somebody? to that I know that I can vet and we know that our house is like chock full of cameras right so there's no threat there and she has that same feeling of home and love and family well there's, there's a different thing like for instance you can hire somebody but is somebody going to be here 24 hours 7 days a week I don't we know. hire them to be I, I, I don't I don't know how that works but also it's also I feel like Elderly people should be doing elderly things at times, and I'm explaining to you. Um, bingo! Like what? Like no, it's what's not, elderly it's, things? It's not, it's not only bingo. It's my mom and dad go to the movies every Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, they go hang out with their friends. You know, mm-hmm. they go to the casino. They go do things with people their age, and they have conversations. My dad talks to his neighbor, Mister Jones. My mom talks to so and so. And your parents are cognitive people. Hold on, but your mother likes to talk. Your mother mm-hmm. likes to converse. Mm-hmm. And I feel like an assisted living home has a bunch of people the same age as your mom that she can talk with, that she can do a lot of the things because, you know, I'm not going to lie. Your mom comes here and she's watching Judge Judy. I say, hey, ma, how you doing? Ma, you hungry? Hey, ma, let me get you some food and some soda. I might talk to her for about maybe 10, 15 minutes about Judge Judy and I'm going. Mm-hmm. Now, the rest of that time, your mom is on the couch watching Judge Judy or doing whatever she wants herself. In a place like that, there's people going in and out. And your mother likes to talk. Your mother would talk for 10 hours straight to different people. You know, we have a handyman, a guy that I call him the groundskeepers. He takes care of the property. He's also our friend. He's also our friend, Eric. Now, your mom, I don't know if you know, your mom loves Eric. You know why? Because he's Jamaican. Not only because he's Jamaican. (laughs) No, because he likes to talk. And he likes to talk. Like Eric will come here. And he's very patient. He's such a sweet, wonderful human being. Right. Eric will come here and talk to your mom for mm-hmm. 10 hours at a time. Right. Like the other day. And he, and he brings her snacks. And he brings her snacks, right? <laughs> he'll bring her bun and cheese. He'll right. bring her right. like the other day, cola champagne. I'm outside with the dog, right? And I'm walking the dog in the woods and I hear a noise and it's Eric and your mom. Mm-hmm. And Eric is just showing your mom the woods. Mm-hmm. And your mom was so damn ecstatic that about- That day he brought her ackee and saltfish. But you see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. People like that in a living assisted home or whatever you call it that just like to talk there's so many like could you imagine rest in peace to my to my uh, uncle george right mm-hmm. could you imagine if uncle george and your mom was in the same living assisted home mm-hmm. could you imagine the fireworks that would come from those two <laughs> how much they would talk yeah and brag about each other's family and just have a good time just conversing because uncle george loved to talk mm-hmm your mom loved to talk and they would just converse all day long and not to say you, you throw your mom in a living sister house and we only see her once no we would still go she would come by our house but weekends and certain days that being able to talk and not having to worry about you know Jackson cuddling up yeah, with grandma no. all day long I thought would be great but that's no, a, I understand that's I understand that's, that's I no think. I understand the point that you're making and I think that that is probably the only good thing that could come from and it was, it's right around the corner it's not like it's miles down there's one right around the corner if we wanted to 
And but I think I, that's the only good thing that could come from it. And I know that she'll get the necessary medical that she needs, you know, whether it's a checkup every day, whether it's to check her blood pressure and this. Because when you get to that age, usually you have to tell somebody, you know what? My side is hurting. Right? Maybe I should go look that up. Right. If Your there's something might, wrong with her, she's she not even does remember. not. No, I don't. I, See what I'm saying? But even in the moment, if she's experiencing pain. She's she's always been that person, very proud. She's not going to. She's They're not a complainer. Right. She will never tell you. She could have stepped on a nail, and the only way that you would know if is if there was the a blood. trail of blood. Right. But that's, she's that type of person. Then, she doesn't complain. They will double up if on you. It try to help sure. her. No, I'm fine. I don't yeah. need any help. I I'm good. I'll take care of myself. I got it. You go have fun. Right. You go eat something. Right. You go do something. Enjoy yourself. She's that type of person. So no, I understand what you're saying, but. I'd rather take the responsibility of doing all of those things. Okay. All right. Well, <sighs> but just to answer your question from before, you did say how, how does a person cope? First, you have to recognize it. If you see an older parent mm-hmm. starting to exhibit signs of memory loss, you need to see to it that either you take them to check it out or that they go with your other parent or whomever to check it out. You need to make sure it's it's better to get a grip on it early than to start dealing with it after it's already hit and after it's already a settled condition. Gotcha. Um, and then I cannot stress it enough. You have to be patient. You right. have patience to be patient. Is everything. Mm-hmm. You have to be patient. You can never treat that person. And believe me, it's easy because it's like having a child, a two-year-old that maybe that keeps asking the same questions over and over and over and over again, or wanting to tell you the same story, what happened in school today, over and over and over and over again. And at a point, you parents may know, you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you always have to be mindful that they have a condition that cannot be helped and the way that they are behaving is because they cannot do any better it's a condition of the brain so you have to accept that and you have to always handle that person with kid gloves and make sure that they always feel accepted that they don't my mother doesn't my mother is happy as a lark because she has no idea at this point that she has dementia she doesn't know what's going on and I will never ever do anything and everybody in my house at this point they know to never do anything to remind her she, she'll she tell you something and listen that's the first time and that's really how patient you have to be you have to be accepting and you just have to love them through it and smile and do everything necessary to care for them because they can't care for themselves right well, if you're out there dealing with a, a a family member that has dementia or an elderly uh, mother, father, uncle, aunt, or family member, you know, just have a lot of patience. And hopefully this podcast, this episode helped you out a little bit. And so you can see some of the stuff that we've been going through and you can say, wow, I've been going through the same. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody for riding with us. This is a long podcast uh, this time. Because, Was it? It didn't feel that long. Yeah, well, you know what? It, it just meant a lot to us, you know just to explain everything and and how we dealt with things and how we still try to just have fun and and, and enjoy it regardless, even though she might not remember what happened yesterday. We we do try to make make it fun or make light of certain things. It's true. All right. Well, I'm DJ Envy. And I'm Gia Casey. And this is another edition of the Casey Crew. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.